last week said something that we needed to clarify or understand just because we don't want to misunderstand what James is saying and he's talking about some things to avoid these are the instructions says do not and so in chapter 4 verse 5 uh, so I think where we stopped last time and uh, just so that we can get connection. I will probably read from verse 3 um, so that it can flow into there. And it reads as follows, uh, You ask and do not receive because you ask without or with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 5. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. But he gives greater grace, therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother, or judges his brother, speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. And then stop at verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? And then he tells, come now. And verse 13, the beginning uh, accept that invitation to come now after we go back up to verse 5. Verse 5 in the middle of where we stopped up last time says, But do you think that the scriptures speak to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. To make sense of that, let's go back again to verse 4 for connection. It says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. <laughs> okay, that's clear, I think, what it is saying here. Uh, choose, there's terms like hostility, friendship, friendship with the world, because God and the world seem to be opposing enemies. Though so God doesn't like the world, and the world don't like God. So we in the middle seem to be like, where are we? We have to choose sides. If you choose God, 
then the will becomes the enemy. If you choose the will, then God is your enemy. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's clear. Clear, clear, clear. Any questions on that? Any misunderstanding? Any clarification? Before we move into the deep waters. Roll up your sleeve. Verse 5, if there's no questions on verse 4. 5 then. This is a very difficult verse for interpretation. There's, there's ongoing debate about what is meant in verse 5 that says, Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. What spirit are they talking about? By the way, but it's, when it says that opening comment, or do you think that the scriptures speak to no purpose? It, by the way, when he quotes Winston quote after that, he jealously desires the spirit which he made to dwell. That part of it is not found in scripture. I've been looking; it's not there. But when it, so when it says that, does the scripture speaks without purpose or with no purpose? Well, it seems as if he's quoting something from some scripture. But I look. And that's not there unless. So, what is he meant by that? And then, because we have to figure out spirit. And we said last time, but just for the connection, the word, the, the word spirit in that verse for you. How many of you, with that verse, the word spirit there is with a capital S or is a small s? Capital. Capital, capital. So, when we see that, do we agree that we. It's inferred that that's referring to the Holy Spirit. That's what your Bible says. And you must believe your Bible, of course. You know. Watch out now. Um, here's another question. Do we agree that we said, I think last time, that the human person is made up of, is a trichotomy? Uh, we are body, spirit, and soul. One part physical, two parts, that's how you mix this diet. You know, I mean, this meal, this, 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 this what do you call it? Uh, recipe for human, that's it. One part physical, two parts immaterial. Soul, soul, and spirit. So, Spirit here, that the human being has a spirit, that's not what they're referring to here. Even though there's an argument or some that says, yes, it is a spirit. Because if that's, if you're talking about the human spirit, then that changes some the verse, when you read the verse. Or if it's Holy Spirit, then what does it mean? What's it saying in contemporary language? What does this mean? Do you think that the scripture speaks for no purpose? Do you think the scripture is just idle? Means nothing when it says that he jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell on us. He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell on us. What does that say? What do you say? For, for re... Um, Connection. Let's hear how your verse or your text, your version, um, say verse 5. I'm from NAS. Yeah, special. 
What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the Holy Spirit, whom God has placed within us, jealously longs for us to be faithful? Yeah. Claire. 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 And and um, do you have any cross reference of where that may be found? Because it's. Oh, they have a star next to faithful. That's the only thing. Stop. They just have like, you know, the right at the bottom. Or oh, the spirit that God placed within us tends to envy. Or the Holy Spirit whom God has placed within us opposes our envy. They have a star next to spirit. No, faithful. That's up and. So, the, uh, but the reference to two different spirits. Is there a spirit within us and then the Holy Spirit? So the spirit within us and the Holy Spirit are always at war. It doesn't, you don't get that implication. Hmm. Drew's, your version has the reading of it. How does this read? Or do you think that the Spirit speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. References would be 1 Corinthians 6 19 and 2 Corinthians 6 16. Mm. Jealously desired, and there would be a. And my Spirit is capitalized. Yeah, a reference to well, the jealousy component. For the spirit which he has made to dwell in us jealously desires us literally um, desire jealously and then he talks about come back down to B which talks about the spirit here. Um, is that what you said first Corinthians six nineteen? Yeah. Um, second Corinthians six sixteen. Oh, but uh, you, you won't have your uh, 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 different class vacation. Okay, understand. Here's a footnote. The natural interpretation of this difficult verse do not is not to be uh, or not to interpret the word spirit as referring to the Holy Spirit naturally, as it is done here, but to the fallen spirit of man, the spirit which is responsible for man's propensity to sin. And the fallen spirit in man yearns towards envy. You did use the word envy, right? The envy manifests itself in selfishness and greed. <laughs> Alright. Or, 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 or malevolence. Or, or it's the same thing as, as greed and malice. Uh, towards other persons. Um, so we do have it. So when it talks about, oh, don't you think, mind you, here's the context when he says things to avoid. The adulteress who says that, hey, if you don't want to be friendship with her, you're almost like you have an affair with the world and want to have an affair with God. You are an adulteress. But then he goes on to say, well, okay, and then to, to like give an illustration, they say, don't, don't you think that the scripture speaks to this purpose? You can't be um, saying you have commitment to two different or opposing persons. You know, um, something is wrong. You can't be loyal to this one. And then one who you say loyal to, you know this one is at war, envy with the other. And But you're saying, I love you, but I also love you. Know, something is 
wrong with that? The scripture, when he, and so when he talks about the scripture, it could it be that this reference is not necessarily a specific point in scripture or a verse, but in terms of just a general principle in scripture? Because in, only in that context, for me, it will make any sense. Because since it isn't something that he's quoting from the Old Testament, um, that you can go to and find where that was actually said, that he jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in it. Then it must mean that he's thinking that the general principle that you would have gleaned from scripture as a whole, that that's what he's saying when he talks about it, that the scripture speaks to this purpose. He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. And that spirit that dwells, even if you take that being the Holy Spirit, to dwell in us, jealously desires that spirit that he's made to dwell in us, that's going to cause the conflict. But no. It tells you what it is. It says, in the trunk Greek, it has one and two. One next to he, and two next to jealousy desire. One says, the spirit which he has made to dwell in us, us of them. Two says, desires to be jealous. Um, so it's saying, he, meaning God, desires to jealousy, jealousy desires, the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. However, that spirit must be them. So it does show the conflict um, between the spirit. Yeah. And so, and so, one way, just for me, probably, I guess, in making sense of it, is to say, if, if you take the view, well, first of all, we understand that we do have a spirit, like the human spirit, which is at envy against God, period. And like God influencing what I do. And then when the Holy Spirit comes in to that life, there's always like a line drawn in the sand. I'm on this side, here's what you were supposed to do. I hear what you want to do, and those two will have a conflict. And so, in a sense, you can say God, well, if you say He is reference to He's jealously desires. Who's the He? Reference here. It says He, the Holy Spirit. Um, is it He, God Himself, um, specifically meaning the Blessed God the Father, or is it He, this personified Spirit within man? Holy Spirit. Jealousy desires the Spirit. He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. In other words, if the He then is saying, if He jealously desires the Spirit, that can't be the He can't be the Spirit. Just then He will repeat Himself. I will say that He, the Holy Spirit, jealously desires the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, which He has made. Yeah, so the, the spirit, yeah, the, the spirit, that's the spirit. Right. Yeah. That's, then that way it clears it up. Yeah, you remember, you had to stick with the Bible, no? Don't, don't, don't leave it alone. And I make it in the Holy Spirit, when God plays within us, jealousy knows, desires oh. us to be faithful. Yeah, so the best word envy. And your footnote. But, there, but when you read it, there's nothing that it seems like there's no conflict. But remember now, there was conflict between verse 4, so this is just like an illustration to show another level of conflict. So that's why they need to have those two opposed. Because it talks about friends with the world, friends with God. And then he said, oh, you think 
the scripture speaks in no purpose, or it's just talking with no action. When it says, in essence, that the spirit, let's say, in a sense, he and the spirit here, you have these two conflicts. So, one way to summarize is that yes, I have my own spirit that is at envy towards God, but when the Holy Spirit comes in, that God gives to dwell in us, to dwell in us, because to dwell in us tells me that like something comes in at a certain point in time. But whereas with your human spirit, that always was there with you, that didn't come in to dwell. That came with you with the same, same time you had physical form, soul. All of that happened in a sense at conception. But this to dwell, show like this take up residency at some point subsequent to your physical birth. Amen. But he gives a greater grace. Hmm. Even that suggests the but suggests a contrast compared to what was just up. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, is that, is that in Scripture? Sounds like Isaiah 54. Alright. That's clear. God gives grace. Well, let's see now. Uh, Psalms 138, verse 6. God is opposed to the proud. Who, who, who is these people that God is opposed to? God is in opposition to the proud. Who, how do you identify? Who are the proud? How do you recognize them? What do they smell like? I mean, look like. What does that sound like? You don't know. So that's a nice word. The proud, grace to the humble. So these two things are opposed. Proud, humble. One is opposed by God, and the other receives grace from God. Proud, humble. Would in this context would it be opposite? But let's figure out what humble is. Who are the humble? Those who are related to the humble. Meek in spirit. How do you know? Uh, running away? How do you determine if somebody is meek in spirit? What kind of actions? What does it look like? So I'm going out with my special instrument, checking the radar, and look, greeting people as they come in through the door, checking for humility. And if the alarm don't go off, you ain't not humble. No humility. Humility of mind. Well, we're gonna put it around your head and see if it has a butt. Uh oh, this one is not a very humble person. So how do we find these? Because easily to be said, yeah. But he gives grace in James four six. Um, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The humble are those who, what? They're not going to 
say the opposite of those who are proud. And whatever you tell me the humble is, those who lack those traits must be the other side. Proud. Uh, proud to be a Marine. What, what humble be those who say, uh, you know, they need God for everything, but the proud like, so humble meaning, you person keep begging God for everything. Give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. But they show like a reliance. A reliance, nice word, nice word. I rely on God, you know. They have the problem, you know. I don't need him. What's in dictionary now? This yeah. coming first. What's it? What's it now? Humble. Yeah. Having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. As opposed to the opposite, which think that I am more important. Mm. I will not mm. degrade myself. I will not low myself. Whereas. <laughs> Oops. Humble what should we actually say? <laughs> See, as American pie, that's the same thing. It's a humble pie. Humble pie, make a humble apology and accept humiliation. <clears throat> humble. Would you say that Jesus was humble? Yes. Why? Just because it sounds nice to But what did he do? What, give me an example of demonstrating his humility. Where, 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 where was there was an incident where he said, oh, that was, that was a humble, that was a humble, humble move there, where he was eating a pie. What, 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 what was a humble move? Yeah, what's a humble move? Is it that that's an instance of humbleness, humility? You can't find one, eh? So, because he's not very humble, isn't it? Well, you know, they're, 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 you know, not many people say a long thing is instantly um, detonated. Actually, I'm saying I don't want to say my example, but I'm saying like how he rode on a donkey. He rode on a horse with like gold, you know. Wow. Where you can get all that gold from, man? Huh? You know, he. But then, you know, he a horse. A horse is a sense of victory. Power. A donkey left down Donkey. <laughs> Humble. Yeah. You sell a horse or sell a donkey, which one gives you the higher price? Uh, Suzuki or. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's leave that out. Let's stop. That's too personal. Okay. Alright, so, so give me an example of somebody who is in script who you thought was proud. Based on what we just said, humble is. Hmm, can't find them, hey. You have to struggle, they don't exist. John Paul? Oh, I thought you said Claude. Paul? Paul was proud. And, and he, before you became Paul. Right, so see, I met the. You are? You are. Okay, everything is chill, man. Yeah. Okay. So Paul was proud, you said. Saul was proud, you said. And he was proud, and how would you identify? What did he do or say? What was his action? That's it. That's a proud moment there. 
What did he who did he rebel against? God. But he was doing that for God. He had he had letters, papers, people give him papers and says, Paul, here's your assignment. Saul, here's your assignment. Go down there, through that corner left after that um, almond tree, through Jerusalem Boulevard. There are some people in the house. Get them. And when he already cleaned up, and he did that, he brought them back into the city to the religious leaders of today. And he arrested them because he had papers, warrant of arrest. He was zealous because he was believing, he actually believed that he was doing God's will. Until he gone down the road, the one-way street, no, it was two-way street, called Damascus. Then he had a traffic jam, there was a roadblock, and he got knocked right off Yanama. But he, in his mind, he was not rebelling against anything up to that point that he had known to be, because he didn't believe that it was true. We know from reading that he did, he was present when Stephen was um, saw the light, when he said, something hit me, or something just came into my head, and they stoned him. Yeah? We knew references that he was there. So he saw that event. So you say, Paul was a proud man. He's very devoted to what it is he put his mind to. Do you see him carrying that same devotion um, or, or applying that same devotion to his newfound faith after his conversion? Yes. Very so. And even though they're now beating him, like he was Stephen Stone. Was Paul ever stoned? Stoned, as he was one time, they thought he was dead. He's unconscious. And then when the people came to get him, now them people didn't, they didn't need him, right? But, um, and then they take him, sneak him up, bandage him up, take him, get out of the city, get a recover, heal. Of course, you know, he'd been in prison many times. Yeah, and they did beat him too. They had arrested him, then beat him, then let him go. And said, don't say that again. Alright? He says, okay. Hey, you're not no okay. They, they, they don't even want to answer. Say, well, now you promise? No, they, you know, they don't ask you that. They say, no, I will beat you and go. You come back here, we can kill you next time. And you know, they, they did that. But Paul, of course, pulled out his trump card. He said, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't kill a Roman citizen. So where did he get that? And, but, so he had dual citizenship. Right? Who's Paul's mother? Saul's mother. Saul Paul's mother. Who's powers? Do you know? But from what we read, he had dual citizenship. Then he says he is a Hebrew of a Hebrew. Did he say that? Remember what I'm saying? I am real McCoy. I know how to read. You know? <laughs> yeah, and he could name where he come from, his line, his lineage. So, which means, but how did he get a Roman citizen? Because he appealed when they arrested him. And then, of course, women know, hey, Romans can't be treated like somebody. And other people who they were dominating at the time. So, how did he get, uh, he was a Hebrew of Hebrew. My ma is a Hebrew, my pa is a Hebrew. How did he get Roman citizenship? You think he had to buy that? Hmm. I have to call him when I get home. <laughs> but it says that until then, he gives grace, this is he, this is God, gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God is opposed to the proud, 
but he gives grace to the humble. That's nice. If you're going to get something from God, opposition or grace, which one would you choose? Give me grace. They give me grace. Then he says, be humble. Therefore, as verse 7 says, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil. If you resist the devil, it says he will flee from you. Flee, flee, flee. The devil. <laughs> flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What in reality, how do you do that? How do you resist the devil and talk about flee? I thought the devil never leave you alone. That's what most people should do. I'm going to do something that the devil won't do to you. That's going to leave you alone. What is that? Yeah. Temptation. temptation. Resist temptation. And the devil says, ah, they're always resisting me. I'm never coming back to you anymore. That's 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 a kind of resisting. What does it mean by resisting? How do you resist? Say no. Don't yield. And the devil gonna normally show up. This is identifying himself as I. My name is Devil. <laughs> the only, the original Devil. Um, I want to set you up today. Is that okay? Well, can I talk with you for a moment? Uh, okay, I don't have much time. But that's okay. I just need a second or two. I would a little, feel a little hungry. A little bite, a little yogurt. See, see, that's exactly it. See, if the devil says yogurt for she's going to smile. She says, oh yeah, talk to more. <laughs> Strawberry, oh, come on. It is to die for. Yeah, and many have died Submit, flee the devil. What's that? How do you resist it? Do you need any special capacity, ability? It's just like saying people offer you drugs. Just say no. Is it that? And then it says, when you say no, it's a humble. I'm gone. Will he come back? Oh, he says, Okay, this is my last chance. I can tempt you, you know. I can make this offering to you once. That's it. And if you don't take this, I ain't come back. You know, the devil might be the enemy, you know. The trap, anyway. If he does that, does he come back? Because it says he will flee. Do you get that he will flee? Is this only temporary? And he come back in the next half hour, or hour, or day, month, year. Or he's going to send somebody else, something else, because he's very persistent. If you understand his modus operandi, how does he operate? I know the devil is left-handed, so watch out when he moves to the left way. He's socket to you. Keep your eye open. Switch your stand. Yeah, keep your eye open. Get swing. Get one uppercut. Kapoor. Yikes. So, what does this look like? How do we flee? We read it, but what does it mean in real terms, real life? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. First, I can figure out. I can understand fleeing, running away. But how do I do that? That's a well done, we said, good and well to be said, resisting. But how do you do that? 
Well, let's try this. Is there any reference in scripture for anyone who you thought resisted the devil? Any instance of that? Maybe that would give us a little Job? So the devil showed up to Job? No, I don't know. Not But how does the devil move? What did the devil do where Job resisted? You all may want to collaborate. But Jesus did. No, no, no. Okay, Jesus did. We don't. She can go with Job. I go Jesus. You go with Jesus. But okay. Well, anyway. Thinking of the easy one. Well, remember when Job was talking to the angels and then the angels came down and killed Job family and everything, and he wanted Job to curse God. So, 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 devil told Job curse God. No, but you know that was that was. Yeah. That was the idea. The idea. Right. So me though. So if you go like this, then I know I am. Yeah. Yeah. So because Job didn't do that, in a sense, he resisted the devil. So this idea of cursing God, who, who, where did it come from? Um, <clears throat> who said that? The devil to God. Right? <laughs> the devil says to God, Remember when resist the devil, mean, curse God. So why did the devil say? No, 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 the devil said, um, let me, I put it in my name. Please, I understand. Okay, the devil was like, uh, <laughs> like, Job only, Job only is worship you and all that because he's given all this good stuff. Right. Right, so it was almost like a bad. The devil almost made like a bad. Like, right, but right. I bet if I take all, take away all of that stuff, right, Job wouldn't check for you. Right, right. But so the devil did that, basically. Like, well, God allowed, um, you know, Job's family would be killed, and I think it was found, I don't think that. Um, but Job still held firm. Right, resisted. Right. All, all, all that, that, that's, that's marvelous so far. I, I just trying to figure out at which point now when he, Job resisted because he was presented with this temptation and then he resists. Is whether or not to abandon God or not? Whether or not to abandon God. Yeah, like. So who's. I, I stick with Jesus. You stick with Jesus. <laughs> Would it help? Hey, you know, since you're on the job, yeah, on the job track. Yeah, yeah, you need a lifeline. You know, you need to call a friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the person who says, curse God and die. Do, do, do you remember that? Uh, I think that was his wife who suggested that to, to him. You know, that, that might help you. So that was not, you know, uh, um, and, and did she say that out of, out of, um, I guess, concern for Job? No. She didn't, you know, why did she say no. that? She was just looking at him and says, Job, look at you, boy. Job, you look back. You made a couple days. Job, you smell bad. Job, look at yourself. You're getting boy bustled on you. And they think, you know, Job, you look, yes, a sore sight. Job, they never, Job. All the children there, why are we living? Consultation. So you, you abandoned Job? I abandoned oh. him. 
So questioning God is, is, is wrong, right? I just need for clarification. Oh, then I got you. Know. So, so, what? so why we, we why we look for Job or for food? So let, let's go back. Why we wait for Job to come up with the substance before we take Job to court um, to find out why it is you know and where he because if he's going to get off this case, where he will be found not guilty. We need to cite a specific instance where Job was in the situation where he was offered a temptation. Um, to uh, again either comply with or to resist the devil and Job chose to resist until we get to that particular specific reference let's roll over to this other J person called Job not Job let's go to Jesus alright so let's give an example here what did Jesus say I mean an instance madam um, when the devil told him about mountain uh huh the yeah, that was the temptation. Yeah. And what was being what was the temptation to do? What was what was what was the devil tempting him with? Because um, to tempt me and it's going to be something to my advantage, right? Okay. So so what was he being tempted with? Bow down. That sounds like a command, or was that a temptation? Bow down. That was a, um, the, a temptation. So what was being tempted? It's meaning that something you, uh, something like... Come on, my God, sorry, the sauce is a little bit shaky. Your sauce? You, 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 your sauce is a little bit shaky. <laughs> I can assess the temptation, but... Um, the kingdom. The kingdom. All the people, the devil, all the kingdom. So if you bow down to me, then I'll give you all the kingdom. And, and then, you know, he was saying, like, uh, or... <laughs> <laughs> and then remember when he was like, uh, the bread, the water, the meat. No, that's the wrong one. Never mind. <laughs> you, you people, are, you, 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 he also told him treat So so can we get can we get one of them? One was one was um you hung, yeah, you hungry. You can easily turn these rocks into bread. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The second one was uh, jump off the cliff. <laughs> 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 <laugh
Ketchup. Ketchup. Just call it on it. Go there, but can I just go to the kingdom? To show him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, he came to you if you back to us and not to him. Let's not come back. Let's stay. If you do this, I'll do it. I'll do this. It's an option. Give you that, give you that. You do this to me, I do this to you. So you're telling to do it, so... Yeah, but it's not from my advice, it's your clean with you. I'm telling you to do something, but it's your clean with you. If you clean with you, I'll give you all of it. Clean, that's it. All of that. So extravagant. Four quarters. Four. What? For one, for one, yeah. Take a spot. Wow. But with that patient, all those temptations came outside of them. Like the, the model of the bread and the, uh, the turning the rocks into bread. The temptation is to use his impotence um, to satisfy his own desires. The desire for food and that food is hungry and he has eaten all that. So the temptation is to, to use his power just for him, not for the glory of God. So to, for him to access his power independently of let's say the Holy Spirit that would be simple uh, going at the top of the temple the jump again just to show hey I think all angels to to come it's simple because he's using his divine authority over them just to prove that he can do it that's simple Proud, arrogant, yeah. He's showing us one. The kingdoms of the world. They don't belong to Satan anyway. It's amazing. But it's not amazing, but Satan, he, he will take your coconut and sell it to you. You know, and Jelly come by the yard and I pick it, and then when you pass him going out to work in the morning, he's on the side road saying, Would you like to buy a jelly coconut? And you say, Yeah. By the way, these coconuts look similar to mine. They say, Yeah, I get them at the same But I live there. That's it, that's mine. But I don't know, he paid a dollar now, the five dollars can come. Yeah, it's amazing. But the devil, he, he's good like that. He, he has nothing, but he uses it. So here's another thought. We cannot, we could not, will not yield to um, the overtures of the devil unless we have something within us, the capacity or the propensity to respond to it. Agree? Let's put it in, I'm going to say another way. Some people are considered to be ticklish. I ain't calling no name. Yeah, uh, but if somebody says, if somebody, let's say, if, they, if they're ticklish to the bottom of their feet, and somebody says, oh, I didn't knew that, then somebody's going to scratch, tickle the bottom of their feet. They will withdraw their feet, curl up, whatever. That's one view. But take another person who is insensitive to that. It means nothing, it does nothing. All it does to them is an irritation. Leave me alone. They, they, you can be scratching until you dig in the tunnel through and see blood, bone, hair, all the mother tissue. And they write to me, so what is that supposed to be? That's supposed to make me laugh? You, you upset me, just leave me alone. So they're not, they don't have the capacity in that physical example to yield. So that will not be a temptation. Or, or something that you are the capacity to yield to that. So Satan usually appears because within us we do have the capacity and the propensity to sin in a range of ways. And so the devil will try different things. And so we then have to be alert to keep your guards up 
you know, um, well armed so that we can resist the devil and you need certain sort of armament, you have to protect, you need a helmet of what? They used to say that in some place in the New Testament. I tell you it's in Hebrews. If you need to wear or, or, um, or, or another place that you need to have the helmet or something, you need the sword of the and then you need a shield. What do shields use for? Where the, where the, what part of it do we protect? Your chest. Your chest? What do you wear down on your shin bone? Um, chains that the... Chains. The knee chains? I don't know what it means. That's not... You said chin guard? Chin guard. Chin guard, yeah. It's a third chin guard. Yeah. Chin. And so, what's the purpose chin, for the not chin. chin? Okay, chin chin. Uh, what's why do you need a helmet? To protect your head. So, you think people need to protect their mind, what's in there, and your shield, your heart. Mm-hmm. But what do you get that sword for? Now? Attack. Oh, sound like kind of defensive moves. <laughs> wow, that's not an armless sword, eh? Yeah. What do you think this is? The sword. Oh. So if you have the sword, but you ain't wearing your helmet, because the enemy will be shooting at you, and sometimes even at your head. So sometimes it's an academic or intellectual challenge. <laughs> I think you got shot in one. <laughs> and also your heart. So if your heart is open, so in terms of your some people can swing you, if not intellectually, they can do so by maybe socially or emotionally. And you get caught up into it um, because it's so natural. It's natural, we say. The people, you ever hear somebody say when they do something wrong, it's only human. You know, as if, I said, I didn't know that. You know, I didn't, I, it's a new revelation. I would have thought you were more than that. Are you not human? But you reminded me that I'm only, or they were only human. Wow. Sometimes they say it in a context that suggests that it's an excuse. So what do you expect? All of you students. So so give me a break. Cut me some slack, they say. No. But what we are reminded here is resist the devil when he shows up, because he will show up. And he will flee, meaning that he might, just like he did with Jesus' example, did he flee? After a while, but the Bible is very specific. Did he say forever or for a season? Season. Yeah, take a break. Right. Come back. I ain't going far. I'll keep him in my sight. Because he's a dangerous man. You know, and if I let him go there, no bother him, he'll be creating havoc. He's going to be diminishing my kingdom, human population. You know, because he's going in and invading people, he's encountering people, he's meeting people, and as he meet them, he's changing them, he's influencing them, so that my kingdom is reducing. And his one is growing. And then Jesus is gone and uh, sanctioned, deputized those of us who are Christians, and he asked us to do the same thing. Go, but the devil then sent out his troops, hijack them, delay them, stop, you know, um, tempt them. You know, because in the moment then you slow down to engage with him and whatever that is, or being sidetracked by something of your own physical propensity to do that is anti what God says he wants you to do. And so we yield. But we are given this directive, resist. And this was not an option. It didn't say if you want to. 
you could resist. Or if it feels good, resist. At least try it once a week, you know. No, six days till thou resist, but on the seventh day, give it all up. Not that idea. Intense. Draw near, he says in verse 8, in the next four minutes. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's a strange thing. Then he talks about um, cleaning yourself. Cleanse, cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your heart. Hands and heart, you double-minded. What's a double-minded? Let's do it backwards. What's a double-minded? A person who had hip surgery. Okay, what else? Unstable, crooked hip. Right. Double-minded. Okay. Cleanse your hands, you sinner. Purify an unstable person. Double-minded. Indians say fork tongue. You know? Yeah, fork tongue speaking two things, different things. You say it here because this one is here, but you when you leave, I say something that's... Yeah, circumstances, they call it situational ethics. You know, yeah, and it sounds so intellectually astute. In other words, when you boil it down and what else left in the pot, you call it lying. <laughs> yeah, so, so we do that. But draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How do you do that? How do you draw near to God? How do you get Draw suggests movement. You use draw because you have another. You have draw? Well, bless your draw. Yeah. <laughs> so draw near to God and you will draw near to you. How do you draw near to God? Because it tells you to do this thing. It just makes these statements. But I want to know the how. How do I draw near to God? Obeying Him. And draw that means of. Isn't it interesting? Is it possible? for me to draw near to God and not reduce the proximity between God and me, even if he doesn't move. It says, I draw near to God, he draws near to me. It's like, I make a step towards him, he comes closer to me. I make a step, he makes a step towards me. So I think it's like a feeling. And he doesn't move. I'm still coming closer to him, but God is saying, Hmm. You better come. And then you keep coming. And say, come until you get closer. I make one step, God makes two. God is the one who you actually initiate all of this movement towards him anyhow, isn't it? Because we were running in the opposite direction. He's saying, God, Angel, I'm get time. And God gave you time. Isn't it amazing? People say, I'm gonna time for. God said, but the time you get, that's mine. You say, I, and the money you get, I, I have the money. The money you have, I give you that. But I'm, are we crazy or are we crazy? Exactly. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How do I draw near to God? Obeying him, someone said. Were there any, any other ways we can draw near to him? Or how do you break down obeying him? Because it seems so all-inclusive. Reading his word, repentance, praying, and again. Repenting, 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 repenting suggests that I did something wrong and I need to get it right. So somebody says, I, I did that once um, 10 years ago, I already repent. So why am I doing that again? Constant repentance. It shows also that that's also not only an act of obedience but also an act of humility, right? Because we know that we are flawed. 
and we let's say we have that other spirit still exist in us who's not gone to sleep they still fight the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence in us so the war is on there's the internal war and then outside interfacing with society the world be in the world but not of the world don't be a practitioner of what the world does but be in it and be different be light in a dark world. Be salt in a fresh, tasteless world. Be salt in a world that is decaying. Everything is rotten. But salt tends to stop or delay fermentation or decay. And so it acts as a preservative. And that's what we're supposed to do. It's not supposed to be. The Bible says that when the salt has lost its saltiness. You ever taste a fresh salt? What do they put on the road? I heard where there's people who have snow. Stars. Yeah, a disgusting place. You know? Um, snow, because they put on the road, I guess it has something to do with friction, I guess. They put salt, because people will be slipping and sliding all over those places, including vehicles. And so the salt then is not one you want to cook with. You don't go and say, boy, they put me free salt on the road, we ain't got to buy salt for the year. Let's go get a bucket, ma. We ain't got that. Not that one. You know, not that So, So you've lost your savor, you know. Um, and so this light that's supposed to be not under a basket. You don't light the candle, they say, and put it under a pot that you can't know that gets out. Likewise, the salt is supposed not to be inside what we call the shaker on the table. Because it doesn't do any good while it's in the shaker. It needs to be spread out on the food. Or it has to make contact if it's going to do what salt do. It can't be isolated from what it's supposed to be impacting. So for us, that means the people we are interacting with, we need to put some salt, you know, um, bring some flavor and retard certain things. Because sometimes it happens because people would say, just because they know who you are, because they can say, this person's a little bit salty, and I had a fresh thought or a comment to make. But because the person didn't say, all right, he, he, she, here come now, so let's change the talk. Uh, and then they say, oh, loud, well, because they're here, well, look, if I know how you feel about it, they say, no, I'm salt, you know, and I'm going to rub that salt in on that comment. You know, I say, no, nah, no, nah, why you got you taking the joy, you just like eat fresh food, you're on a no-salt diet, that's what it is. And so we need to respond and know who we are in that regard. But also, let's keep moving towards God and those examples or instances that you've just stated. Obedience, yes. Read this because this is full of good stuff. Um, and as you not only read it, apply it. And again, asking for God, God, how do you do that? And this is the beauty of, I guess, breaking these down in terms of, okay, read that, that's James talking to them, that can be almost an academic exercise, that's what is being said to them then. But what's to get to say to me now? What do I do when I walk out of here tomorrow? Is there anything I can pick up out of this? Well, yeah, resist the devil, draw near to God, resist, um, God resists or opposes the proud, so nah, I should avoid that. But then he gives grace, I want some of that, you know? But he does that only to those who are humble. So where I have an attitude of being um, 
proudful or lacking humility. You need to work on that. Now the devil is telling you, but you deserve it, baby. You know, you can't look, you can't be pleased with all these people. Because some of them are then giving you these thoughts. And if you entertain them, then you and, and ignore the truth of what scripture says you, then you become a victim number one hundred and one thousand and one million and that was a cutter. They yielded however briefly. And that's why it's a good thing to come back to repentance. And you recognize ah, I messed up today in thought, word, or deed. And God's come back. And he is first John one nine says, Confess genuinely. He's faithful. That's good to know. There's a commercial that says they had to leave the lights on. Motel 8. Yeah. They'll leave the lights on for you. <laughs> you know? So God will leave the light on for you. You can still come back in and say, I'm sorry. And then he says, Come on. That's good to know. You guys keep on the drive. Catch the cold. So he invites us back. Enough said there. Let's, uh, let's, next time, Lord willing, let's see in terms of drawing there and talk about those things already, no double mind. He talks about, says, you must be miserable and mourn. Isn't that nice? Verse 9. I want you to be miserable and mourn. That's what it says in verse 9, but I ain't saying the rest of that later until next time. That's what the scripture says. We should all be miserable. And if you go out and we say, hey, anybody miserable today? Scripture says, verse 9 of James chapter 4, be miserable. You are disobedient if you are not miserable. And if you're not mourning, start now. No. What? Scripture you say that. Open your book to page 1754. What page number you have? 1,224. You're in the wrong Bible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let us pray. Father, thank you again for today. Thank you for, again, the your word and the power of it and to transform lives. But Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit that you've given is resident in us as your guarantee that we do belong to you, that he will illuminate our understanding so that we might understand and thereby apply the truth of your scripture when given the opportunity from moments by moments, day to day. These things we ask with thanksgiving as we leave now to again with the other incredible body of Christ gathered today to worship you and extol your praises. In Jesus' name, Amen.